Good evening. I apologize at the outset. My voice is trying to leave me. I know many of you are suffering with the difficulties of this time of year, but I hope that it will stick with me for the next few minutes anyway. It's good to see everyone back tonight. It's been a wonderful day at the Saudi congregation. Had a guest speaker this morning and presented a wonderful lesson in a very capable way, and we look forward to hearing from more from him in the, in the future. Last weekend, last Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday morning, about 18 of us went on our annual youth retreat out to a, a lodge outside of Crossville, Tennessee. Always a wonderful time to be together. And as I told the group there, uh, no matter how old I get, I'm going to keep this on my calendar and they're going to have to kick me out. Because it's one of those events that I will not miss because I believe it's so beneficial to all involved. appreciate everyone who had a part in planning and carrying out that wonderful retreat. I want you to know also that, you know, many people have the misconception, I don't think it's as much here, but in other congregations that when you talk about youth group, you're talking about entertainment and fun. Well, we do a lot of that, but it's not, that's not what it's about. And I know that you know that. We had some wonderful lessons last weekend. The theme, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, was escape. Based on Paul's inspired writing in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 13. We had lessons presented by Brother Barry, Brother Stephen Lawrence, Brett Lawrence, Brother... Brian Sorello and myself and the youth were very well uh, they were very attentive they were engaged in the, the lessons and the activities of the weekend and we're, we're so thankful for them thankful for uh, Harrison and Tabitha and Heath and, and Brian and so many others Missy who are constantly thinking and planning things for the benefit of our youth and to keep them together and to keep them in the church and all those kind of things. So continue to remember all of us that work with the youth in some way in your prayers. And I appreciate, and I think I can speak for all of us who work with youth from time to time, the support that we get from this congregation on behalf of our youth. Our elders are always supportive of anything we bring before them. They're always ready and willing and able to help in any way that they can. Be turning your Bibles in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. Again, as I said earlier, the theme for this year's retreat was escape. I don't know what the word escape means to you, but to me it means get away from danger. I think that's probably a simple definition, but... That's what we're going to talk about for a moment tonight. I've entitled this lesson, Stop, Drop, and Roll. And we'll develop that more in just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. Now remember, Paul is writing to Christians. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bury it. Or I think King James says endure it. 
The text indicates there that there will always, always, always be provided for us a way of escape. Could it be, I'm speaking to myself primarily, but could it be that our decisions and choices often result in our being in a place or a position that we need to escape from? Think about that for a moment. I think absolutely yes. Choices and decisions have consequences. The world doesn't believe that today. But in God's eyes, choices and decisions have consequences. One such individual I want us to talk about tonight, we find him in in his account in the Old Testament, is the man by the name of Lot. We read about Lot beginning in Genesis chapter 11. You remember he's the nephew of Abraham. He traveled from his home in the Ur of the Chaldees in order to enter the land of Canaan. The land of promise that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. Lot had great wealth. I believe due in part obviously to God's blessing but also by his association with his uncle Abraham because we know Abraham had a large uh, amount of material goods that the Bible tells us about. But you know something? Lot made a choice that would define the rest of his life. Turn in your, Keep your marker there in 1 Corinthians and go back to the uh, Old Testament book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 13. You remember how because of their vast wealth and their cattle and flocks and all those kind of things that Abraham's servants and Lot's servants began to to fight against each other because they were both trying to feed and water their herds on the same piece of ground. Well, that caused strife between those people. So let's see what they did. Genesis 13, verse number 8, beginning. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Verse 10, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Parenthetically, Moses says here, Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself and all the, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, even as far as Sodom. Verse 13, But the, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So Lot had a choice. He chose what looked good financially, but he didn't seem to consider the spiritual side of things. You know the rest of the story. Lot saw the riches of the Jordan Valley and pitched his tents towards Sodom. He was willing to put up with the sinful cities of the plain. 
At first, he pitches his tent toward Sodom, the Bible tells us. By Genesis chapter 19, Lot is living in the midst of Sodom and even sitting at the gates of Sodom. You know, one of the points that came up during our discussion last weekend was that there's a problem when we get too close to sin. When we get too close to sin, Lot got too close to sin. And sin is one of those things that's, it is progressive, isn't it? It's progressive in nature. And that's why we need to steer clear of it. So he moves into town. Worse than that, he becomes willing to sacrifice his own daughters to the wicked men of Sodom. God sent angels to destroy the the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Turn over your Bibles there in, in chapter 19 of Genesis and listen to what they told Lot. Genesis 19, verse 17. So it came to pass when they brought them outside that he said, this is the angel talking to Lot, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. You remember I told you our theme for the retreat was escape. So these angels sent my God here tell Lot to escape. The last mention of Lot in Genesis shows a broken man ruined by his choices for what he thought would lead to a secure and prosperous life. What can we learn from Lot today? Well, we make mention of it earlier. Choices have consequences. And decisions we make can impact our lives, and the lives of others. Do you remember the slogan, Stop, Drop, and Roll? We learned that as children, didn't we? Most likely in elementary school. In the context of that phrase, it's when your clothes catch on fire. What happens to a person when they, their clothes catch on fire and they run around? The fire gets hotter, doesn't it? Because that air fuels the fire. So we're taught when that happens, when that unfortunate event happens, stop, drop, and roll. Kill the air and the things, the fuel that's coming from feeding that fire. The worst thing a person can do when, when he's on fire is to keep running. As a person runs, the fire gets hotter. Understand that I'm not talking about literally catching on fire or putting out fire. But I think it's about how we can prevent ourselves from getting caught or being hit by Satan's fiery darts. I believe we can learn a valuable lesson from stop, drop, and roll concerning our walk with the Lord. You know, we're surrounded with opportunities to stop, drop, and roll. Remember, God said He'll give you a way of escape. When the world beckons us to follow its wicked ways, we need to stop, drop, and roll in order to put out Satan's darts that have ignited our clothing. If we don't stop, drop, and roll, we will find ourselves running. Running into more and more of the world's sinful ways. Remember I said sin is progressive. And it's been said, and you've heard it said before, 
what this generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. That's the nature of sin, is it not? So we need to be careful with it. A person who's ablaze with Satan, Satan's uh, fire has the same hellish smell and appearance that increases as he or she runs headstrong into more sin. Stop, drop, and roll. You might be wondering, what do you mean? How do we stop, drop, and roll? Let's think for a moment about stop. Psalm chapter 46, verse number 10, a familiar passage. We'll turn over there and read it. I believe this has to do something with the stop part. The psalmist there says, Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What are those first two words? Be still. That requires us to stop, doesn't it? Stop whatever you're doing, no matter how important you may think it is. You know, there's a lot of things in this world that we engage in that we think is pretty important. But really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not at all. Stop worrying. It's easier said than done, isn't it? You know, statistics tell us that the things that we spend our efforts and energy worrying about never happen. Or if they do happen, we don't have any control over it one way or the other. So we need to stop worrying. We need to stop arguing. You know, we live in a world that loves to argue, doesn't it? If you don't believe that, turn on any news channel one of these cable news channels where they have these programs where people are just sitting around a table basically arguing. You know, oftentimes we and other people find ourselves arguing with God, don't we? How productive is that? Not very. So many people in the world today have multiple copies of God's holy word but yet they want to argue with what it says because they simply they, they, they don't like what it says. They like something else. They like how they do something else or what they believe or what they teach or what they practice. They're arguing with God, aren't they? We need to stop that. We need to stop scheming. Stop following the ways of the world and all of its pursuits to gratify self. You know, this world is all about self, isn't it? Watch any television advertisement and you'll know that very quickly. Stop evaluating other people. You know, so many times we compare ourselves with other people, don't we? Look what they've got, how good they've got it. They don't have any problems. They've got everything that they want. What good does that do? It just makes you feel worse, doesn't it? We need to stop evaluating other people, places and activities and things above God Almighty. We need to stop justifying ourselves. Again, that's a commentary on our world today, isn't it? Whatever I want to do, I can find justification for it if I look long and hard enough. 
Stop being angry about how people and circumstances have frustrated or wronged you. We've talked about before how people seem to go around with a chip on their shoulder. Just daring somebody to come and knock it off. We have cases of violence against people. One-on-one violence. We have cases of road rage. We have cases of people going into workplaces and shooting co-workers and all those kind of things. you think God is pleased with that? Absolutely not. We need to stop being concerned about what others will think. We're all guilty of that, aren't we? What others will think. We're oftentimes fearful of sharing our religious views with people because of what they might think about us. Stop trying to please everyone. Stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to control other people. The only person in this world you have control of is you. What other people do, you have no control over. Now hopefully for a while, if you're a parent, you have control over your children, but that's going to come to an end. Hopefully you've trained them well enough to be productive citizens, good Christian people. But we can't control other people, what they do and say and how they act. We can't allow our attitudes to be controlled by them. We need to just stop. Point number two in our lesson tonight, drop. Stop that you so that you can drop. Again, Psalm 46 and verse 10 begins with the two words, be still. In the original Hebrew, that phrase, those two words, be still, can be translated, let go. Let go. This is the drop. If we let go, we drop. Anything and everything that would be coming between us and God. Think about it for a moment when we pray. When we close our eyes. When we drop our eyelids in prayer. It is for the purpose to not be distracted from our concentration on God. But I think there's other things as well. When we bow our heads and we are dropping all other thoughts and concentrating on God. When we clasp our hands in prayer, we are dropping our, our own efforts and seeking to rely on God. In addition, I think, to these outward practices for inward preparation, sometimes we kneel, we sit down, we lie down, or we prostrate ourselves before God. In doing so, are we not dropping out of the routine of our normal activities to dwell submissively and humbly in the presence of God. We need to drop. Thirdly, tonight, we need to roll. This growing relationship with God enables us by giving us desire to withdraw often in order to stop, drop, and effectively roll. Lot needed to stop He needed to drop, but he also needed to roll. 
He needed to roll away from the sin that plagued him every day. Somebody brought up the point in our in our, one of our discussions that God is bigger than any problem we may be facing. God is bigger than any problem we may be facing. There's no trouble too big for God to handle. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Peter there, the inspired writer, writing to Christians, cast all your care, your anxiety on Him, God Almighty. Why, Peter? Because He cares for you. Have a good, strong role that puts out the fiery darts of Satan. As you cast all your anxiety, your care on God, you are rolling out the fire of worry. It is worry that manifests itself in a variety of ways. We talked about that already. We need to roll out the fire of anger. You know, people in this world are just angry. Oftentimes, if you ask them, why are you so angry, they can't tell you. They're just angry. And that anger manifests itself in a lot of different ways. And none of them are productive. None of them are to the glory of God. We need to roll out the fire of greed. You know, Solomon, in our lesson in adult class this morning, warned us about greed. And if anybody knew anything about having money and things, it was him. He warns us about that. We need to roll out the fire of bitterness. Again, just like anger, people are angry, many people in this world are just bitter. They've always got a sour look on their face. They're always down in the dumps over something. How, as Christians, if we're bitter, how, how are other people going to see Christ in us? So we need to roll out the fire of bitterness. We need to roll out the fire of unforgiveness. Again, easier said than done. But necessary, vital in the lives of those of us who are Christians. Roll out the fire of selfish pride. Roll out the fire of addictions. Roll out the fire of doubt. Satan is the master of placing doubt in our minds, is he not? Back in the Garden of Eden, only two people on the face of the earth. Satan comes and says, That's not what he said, is it? Really? Thou shalt surely die? No, he didn't mean that. You will not surely die. Because the day you eat that, God, God knows that you're going to be wise. All he had to do was place that doubt in Eve's mind about what God had said, and he'd won the battle. Roll out the fire of impurity. You know, this is something that, that I personally, as a Christian, face in my life every day because we live in a world that is so impure. We live in a world that's influence, its influences are great. And the influences of the world are not godly. We need to roll out the fire of hatred. 
Hatred has our country, I believe, in a death grasp, death grip. We as Christians need to be above and beyond that. We need to roll out the fire of selfish ambition. We need to roll out the fire of envy. We need to roll out the fires of various temptations that are trying to burn you up. As we draw this to a close, Lot chose selfishly, and it cost him dearly. Let's make righteous living a priority in our lives. Turn again there to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Back up there and notice in verse 6. Paul, here the inspired writer, again writing to Christians. He says now, he's, after he begins the chapter there with talking about um, things that had happened in the past to people, he says now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Do you notice the word example there? How about verse number 11? Now all these things happened to them as examples. For, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. He would tell the Roman church in Romans 15 and verse 4, things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. For our learning. You know, oftentimes we wonder, we scratch our heads, why is the Old Testament still here? Why has it been preserved for us? For our learning? For our example? Why is the story of Lot in our Bibles? So we can learn that choices have consequences and we need to make wise choices. Look again there at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. What's those next three words? But God is faithful. But God is faithful. Do you believe God is faithful? I hope you do. I hope you, you believe that God is faithful in everything and every, everything He says and does and has done and will continue to do. God is faithful to provide that way of escape. God is in the escape business. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Beginning there in verse number 4. <clears throat> Again, writing to Christians, Peter said, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example, there's that word, to those who afterward would live ungodly. Verse 7, and delivered righteous Lot, 
who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord, and if you write in your Bible, underwrite this next phrase, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. God is in the rescue business. He knows how to do it. Remember, we need to stop, drop, and roll in the context that we have discussed it tonight. If you're here, not a Christian, you need to stop, drop, and roll. You need to realize your condition. You need to realize that God is in the rescue business. He will rescue you from the greatest tragedy that, that plagues the mankind. Sin. Sin separates us from God and it's, it takes the blood of Christ to reconcile us, to make us friends again. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God Based on that faith, you have to repent. That means to change. You have to start realizing that your decisions, your actions have consequences. God is the ultimate judge. But you know something? He's given us His book, His Word, to tell us how to live. We must confess the wonderful name of Christ before men, continuing to confess Him by the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves in this life. Be baptized in water, meeting the cleansing blood that takes away our sin, rising to walk a new life. Acts 2 and 47 says, God will add you to His church when you do those things. As a, as a Christian, oftentimes we need to stop, drop, and roll. We need to remember that God has prescribed for us a way to live acceptably to Him. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, if you are faithful unto death, I will give you a crown of life. You need to know what that faithful life looks like. And you need to make application of that in your life each day. But like we said earlier, God is in the escape business. Temptations come to every one of us. My temptations are not your temptations and vice versa. But as we read tonight... God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape. It's up to us to to find it and to take it. Tonight, if you're here, not a Christian, perfect opportunity to change that. Or if as a Christian you have allowed Satan's fiery darts to, to catch your clothes, your spiritual clothes on fire, roll those out tonight. God is standing, waiting, ready, and willing to take you back into His fold once more. If you're willing to repent of those things, ask Him to forgive you. He's faithful and just to do exactly that. We're going to sing this song to encourage anyone who has need of the invitation. Would you come as we stand and sing?